Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, and today I am here with my very greased up and numbing co-host, Dr. Millicent Ravello, who is on deck for some laser treatments. Is that correct? That is correct. I prefer to say that I am glowing. I am glistening with my numbing cream Greased on. up didn't work for you? Greased up, I'm not a fan of. I glow. You I are glow. glowing. And you're going to glow more because you're going in for a little bit of a laser treatment, which is key. I am. You know, we talk about these things on the podcast all the time about how you got to do your maintenance and keep up and this is what you need to do. So I am, you know... Preaching here and, and doing as I say. You bet. So I'm going to pop in with Orla here and going to get an IPL photofacial, which will zap the brown spots and the sunspots, and then a pixel, which will be a gentle resurfacing to get all the old dead skin cells off the top. So I'm going to be a little, little lobster-ish, a little fried a for days. a couple days. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. No, it's good. I mean, uh, you know, the... The combination, uh, the photo pixel, as uh, Orla likes to call it, it's a great treatment. I it mean, is phenomenal. And I think the last one I did was maybe a little over two years ago. And she really went to town. She like turned up the settings, did multiple passes. She knocked it out of the park. And I haven't really needed one until maybe about six months ago. So technically, you're supposed to do it every you know six weeks for four to five times. But if you just blast it once... You know, and you don't have that much damage. You can probably go every couple of years. That is sort of way. <laughs> <laughs> likes to have the burn unit on call just in yeah, case. Yeah, just in case. Just in cases. But it works. And but it it's works. Great. Yeah. So along the lines of uh, facial treatments, I was at the American Academy of Facial Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery weekend uh, this last weekend. Yes. At their meeting. The AAF. P-R-S. P-R-S. Correct. You got it. Got it. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of letters. It's a lot of letters. That's a big acronym. Uh, it's, uh, you know, there's uh, there's a lot going on in uh, facial aesthetic surgery and facial aesthetic treatments, and it was a really great meeting. I recommend it highly for those of us who are in the facial aesthetics world. Now, is this a meeting that is specific to facial plastic surgeons, which in our world means that they've been ENT trained, so they went through an ENT residency and then did a facial plastics fellowship, or is this a meeting for anybody that just likes to do facial plastics? I think it's for anybody that likes facial plastics. It's an it's a otolaryngologist facial plastic surgery based group. So this is the uh, so. For our listeners, uh, you know, for Tracy in Wisconsin, the way that you get to be a plastic surgeon, if you want to do facial aesthetics, you can either be a plastic surgeon like a traditional plastic surgeon who does a plastics residency, mm -hmm. um, or you can do otolaryngology and then a facial plastic surgery fellowship. Otolaryngology being ENT. ENT right. Yeah. So ear, nose, and throat doc. And then you do a facial plastics accredited fellowship and you get boarded by the board of facial plastic surgery right so these are they call themselves plastic surgeons or plastic surgeons of the face they don't typically do any other you know plastic surgery of the body yeah they don't do like breasts and lipo and right. i mean some of them do lipo because you know they have to do fat, fat grafts right. and stuff like that so right. they wind up getting into it i i think they tend to stay away from that stuff just because yeah. it's not their core competency. <laughs> they like to work above the neck, yeah. generally. It's and, sort of their happy space. <laughs> for sure, and, and they're really good at it. They're and really that's, good at it. that's the key. So, uh, But you're, if you're a plastic surgeon who does a lot of nose and facelifts and facial aesthetics, uh, 
implants, cleft work. They they kind of covered everything. There was a very rhinoplasty and facelift heavy meeting, sure. which was awesome. And I this was in it. San Diego, right? In San Diego, some of my favorite people in in the game were there, um, and and it was really great. And I I think the the big topics were uh, deep plane facelift. That was a huge one. Per huge. Preservation rhinoplasty, which got battered around on, you know, people for it, people against it, people who could give a crap, people who find it interesting. That's yeah. me. I don't give a crap. <laughs> like this discussion is like, can we stop with it already? <laughs> you can't because right now it's the focus of the educational content of any rhinoplasty meeting because it's new, even though the techniques are not new. Um, the concept of preservation rhinoplasty is novel and is getting talked about a lot. And there were surgeons that said, I only do preservation rhinoplasty techniques. I treat the septum this way. I only do this. I only, I only. And then there are other people who say, I never do it. I never will. It's not helpful to me. And kind of the take home message I got from preservation rhinoplasty, you know, a lot of the claims, I, I will say this big, fat and hairy, simple right now. It is not less destructive. It is not something that should be seen as a lesser way of doing rhinoplasty that you're going to heal faster. It is not going to be less bruising and swelling necessarily. I think all these claims that are being made about why preservation rhinoplasty need a little smidge of data to back up statements like that. And they weren't, they don't have any of it. It's just, I like it better. So say that, and I'm totally cool with it. I like this better. That's what I say. I like doing the tetrapod tip approach to where I set the tip because I can get reliable results that happen over and over again for me. I don't say it's better than anything else because I don't know, maybe somebody's got a better idea. Maybe they got a better way. So you would say this is a preservation rhinoplasty not. <laughs> well, one of the guys made a point about preservation rhinoplasty was that it's it's misleading to the public because it sounds like it's like, like you're it's, preserving. You're preserving stuff. the nose, and everybody else isn't. Um, so I find that also to be somewhat disconcerting because, as you know, I don't like things that mislead the public. Yes, I don't. We've we've done this marketing. I don't. I don't. I don't. Spiel so I have to go back, listen to some of the other podcasts about marketing, and you will understand why I don't feel that it is fair to use terminology and knowledge against the public to get them to think things that aren't necessarily true. So should we reference them back to the natural lift? Yes. That's the one to listen to. Actually, <laughs> I would listen to the natural lift podcast because <laughs> I mean, marketed talk about it. trademarked term of Dr. Calvert's exactly. facelift. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I mean, I don't know who can take that joke. I, I mean, can know. you, can they take the joke? I think they can. I've had people call it though, saying they want the natural lift. I know. They want it. I know. You know why? Because it sounds really nice. It sounds really nice. Who, would, who wouldn't want the natural lift? It's still a facelift. <laughs> it's just and a facelift. It's just a facelift. And Neil Varanis made a great point. He goes, this is his call. He's our fellow this year. He said, when you go to have surgery, read the consent form because that's what you're getting. He goes, it's not going to say, oh, you're getting the you know extra triple Lindy double facelift <laughs> with cream on top. That, it doesn't say that on the consent. It's going it to say... Says, Facelift. Facelift. That's right. And it doesn't matter whether you call it the deep plane facelift or the SMAS facelift or the SMAS excision or the upside down facelift or the facelift with my socks on or the facelift without socks. 
It's a facelift. And how you do it, uh, and we talked about this, Jim Stusen said it best, in the hands of an excellent surgeon, I don't really care what technique you use. It's going to turn out really nice. He did say that at our aesthetic meeting a few weeks ago. I, it was great. That it's was like the, the take home quote of the meeting. Like, like the, you can bat around all these techniques, the deep plane facelift, the preservation rhinoplasty, and we can get into the minutia of it, but it's really more academic, you know, for the people that do them, for the surgeons, for the trainees. It's an academic discussion and doesn't really have a whole lot of place when it comes to the patients because the patients just want good results. Right. And however you can get that for them, it shouldn't really matter what it's called. And Jonathan Sykes said that about preservation rhinoplasty. He gave a great talk. And then uh, Dean Turiyumi and Russ Crydell got into a battle about preservation versus open structure. And it was awesome. And those are two of my favorite guys. They totally, they're just so experienced and they've seen it all. And, and you, you can't, you can't float a big piece of BS past them. You just can't. They, both of those guys know what's what, and so they like to talk it over. The important thing is, though, to have those discussions so that you as the surgeon who's coming up through the ranks, or you know, even me, I'm always learning, I'm always improving. You can kind of say, well, I like that for this, or I don't like that, or you know, I'm gonna try that, I'm not gonna do that. And you can, you can evaluate it for yourself. If you're, kind of a neophyte surgeon and you're kind of listening to it, I, I find that it would be like a lot of garbly gook and very hard to understand. <laughs> well, that's a thing for most neophyte surgeons. There's a lot of gobbly gook. I don't know. I'm just over it. It's been, what, four or five years now where every single meeting we go to, the entire rhinoplasty section is dominated by preservation to preserve or to not. And it's just, I'm over it. Like there was a time period where we were really into safety in gluteal fat transfer. That was a topic of multiple uh, meetings and journal articles. And it lasted for about a year, which was great. The message got out there. We all learned. We all discussed. And then we moved on. And guess what? The next year, the theme was different. It yeah. wasn't all about gluteal fat augmentation safety anymore. Like, we had other things to discuss. So I'm just, when I hear the word preservation, I just, like, throw up a little bit. Not because I really care one way or another about <laughs> the technique. I'm just overhearing it and talking about it. Well, and I really don't like the results. I mean, I, I think, you know, the results that are being shown are, are like kind of B-level results. They're fine. They're fine. But, you know, when when <laughs> when the guys have to like put the results up and explain them, like I don't have to explain my results. <laughs> I put them up there and it's like, all right, that looks pretty good. You know, and I and I started my talk with a failure. I showed like a, the fourth time disaster rhinoplasty and, you know, why not everything was possible and why I had to stage it. And, and I started with like, here are the weaknesses of revision mm -hmm. rhinoplasty because I think that's good. For preservation rhinoplasty, I can give the talk on the weaknesses of it just from the, the before and afters that are shown as the home run results because they all have residual humps. They have saddle nose if they don't have a residual hump because they had to cant the thing too low to get the, the hump out of the way. And it's like, why are you doing easy cases hard? <laughs> why are you doing them hard? Like you're right. doing, you're taking something that's really simple for anybody. And you're doing fancy footwork in the septum, which by the way, kind of, I think will come home to roost 10 years from now when I'm going to have a saddle nose practice. Mm. And I, I see this coming because the septums are being put together in a lot of different ways that hmm. I believe will buckle and will fold. 
And how do I know that? Because I have buckled and folded septums weekly here. If you, I could open a shop for just septal reconstruction alone because if you cut septum, if you cut septal cartilage in ways that have stronger points in one area and weaker points in other areas, it buckles, mm-hmm. it bends. And so I'm like, I, I, they have all these, and they've all named these cuts after themselves so that they can stand on there and say, this is a Smith, you know, and Wesson number 12. And, you know, they like have all these different names based on who did that first. And I think that based on those cuts that I was watching, you know, and I've only done a high septal strip. That, that's my, ex- my experience in preservation rhinoplasty is minimal. I've done three, they're fine. Could I have done better structurally? Yeah. Um, are the patients happy with what they got? Yeah, they're really happy. In fact, they're, they're over the moon because they wanted a closed rhinoplasty, blah, 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 blah. But that's for another day. But I see that the septum is being mistreated. <laughs> and, and I know what septums do when they are mistreated. Oh, poor septums. <laughs> they, they, well, they bite back, don't they? <laughs> and they bite back in the form of a caved-in nose. Mm. So I'm not sure about them. I, I'm, I reserve judgment. Um, but... Nonetheless, I loved the controversy. I loved the the panels. The facelift stuff was awesome. They did get like basically 12, you know, ever see the movie 12 Angry Men? This was like 12 very agreeable men. Like <laughs> literally everybody went up there and said the same thing. Like, I love the deep plane facelift. This is why. I love the deep plane. I love it too. You know what? I love it and I love it. And they all loved it for different reasons, which was cool. So the deep plane facelift got a lot of love. And I do think, you know, from a very practical standpoint it's kind of been the the way that we've thought about facelifting and it makes a lot of sense i mean i liked bruce cannell's kind of smash thing that i did for a long while i loved the uh smash excision uh that i did by dan baker which i do i still do and i think it's awesome and that's basically a deep plane technique so all of them are really about like getting down and dirty with the smash so that you can really get a lift on the jowls and the neck and it it works it works, but as Dr. Stevenson said, you can get great results with any technique. Totally, just if go you're to a great, great surgeon. surgeon. <laughs> you need a great surgeon. You just you just do, and if and if you suck, then I don't care what technique you use; it's not going to work out. Right, right. But I think the deep plane. Once you get a handle on it, and you sort of you know know where you are, you understand your anatomy, and you have a familiarity with it, it allows you to get to that great result in a little bit of a simpler fashion. Totally. It's Which I think is be. why it really is having a moment and, and people are into it because it's widely applicable and doable. Yeah, it's really repeatable. It's very reliable. It, it, it kind of allows you to tackle all kinds of different you know, faces with different issues and it allows you access to deep structures in the neck to do, you know, to do the submandibular glands, the digastrics. You know, and I've been handling the digastric muscles since uh, probably since I was a senior resident I've always gone after that because that was a Bruce Cannell thing and he was like if you cut these digastrics and set the hyoid back life is good and it's true it's true it is it's true I just saw one of my patients back today and she's like how did you get this neck like what is this this is like I never had a neck like this I was like your digastrics are not not part of this world anymore. They've been, they've been sent packing. You didn't need those anyways. <laughs> they are. And that's why. So if you can get at the deep structures of the neck and then get a great lift on the SMAS, home run. So that was great. The tech, the technology was there was great. Um, everything 
just you know it was a really nice meeting well done i got a you know big shout out to all the people we hung out with hung out with it was great mark Monty, ben Tellier, he you know organized these great dinners you know he's guy's an animal he did he did really set us up for some great fun it was really cool um but it was great to see you know randall hayworth was there and you know just paul nassif and uh it was you know Rudy to chopra from our office gave a great talk on deep plane face i mean it, it was awesome babaka zizadeh got to hang out with him for a while i hadn't seen him in a in a dog's age which is a long time it's a long time yeah so we missed you there dr ravello you, you well, really I enjoyed it i didn't have the necessary parts to hang out with all of you guys <laughs> It's not true. That is not true. You guys had a little like bro fest on there, and that's cool. All right. Well, you know, maybe it was. It was a pretty. (laughs) It was a bro fest. It was pretty big big bro fest. (laughs) I mean, there were there were plenty of lady surgeons there. Plenty. Just not on the dinners that you guys. They weren't on the dinner on the dinner circuit with us. That's true. But uh, it was it was awesome. I, I I would go back if they invited me again next year to speak about something. I would certainly be back there. That sounds like a lot of fun. Hopefully, next time I'll get there. Where is it next year? I don't know. That's a, that's mm. a good question. I didn't check that out. That's uh, and I and I thought about it. Like maybe should I like join the the AAFPRS? I don't know if I have to be boarded in facial plastics or something, but it might be a good little project for me. Just make sure you don't accidentally join the AARP. <laughs> You're <laughs> I, not there yet. <laughs> I'm a year away. Do you know that? <laughs> All right. Well, then maybe you can. <laughs> <laughs> the AARP is one year away. Then you can join. I mean, I won't be retired, but I'm certainly of. Of, of age. a certain age, for sure. Uh, so, uh, do are we going to cover your your facial blasting today? Is that, yes, that I'm, on? I'm pretty sure there will be some video footage of that. I think I'm going to have to pronox it though. The oh. last time Morla <laughs> did this to me, I actually was anesthetized for another procedure because you know every couple of years I got to do something. Totally. So I may need a little extra. The Pronox is good. Pronox is so good. So Pronox (laughs) for the uh, listeners at home is the laughing gas machine that we have, and uh, it's great. Like you, you, your body recognizes that it's in pain, but you just don't care. Yeah, it's just like (laughs) I'm good. It's like oh that hurt. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Yeah, it's it's really effective. Um, I use it like I had a patient who was like from uh, she's from Houston, and she was just so nervous about like getting her sutures removed. Put her on the Pronox, and she was like, oh, this is great. Oh, yeah, just good. take them out. Are you done? How, how long is this going to take? I was like, just keep keep huffing on just that. Just keep You're sucking good. away on that thing. <laughs> it's all and good. It, it really is laughing, guys. Like, I remember one time I was I was getting ready, and I had some Pronox going. There was nobody in the room with me, and all of a sudden, I just start cracking up <laughs> over literally nothing. I was just sitting there laughing to myself. That's so why they call it that. Laughing yeah, it's laughing gas. It's so funny. Well... That's fun. Let's go. Uh, let's go check it out. But for now, I think this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, this is how to do it. You can reach me at the website ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355, and you can reach me on Instagram at Ravello Plastic Surgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com, Instagram, Dr. J. 
Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon. 